There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But. Pod Diva. I'm Rachel Shelley and this is Pod Diva. If you're an LGBTQIA plus woman or non-binary person, this is your weekly podcast. Juno Dawson's latest book, Her Majesty's Royal Coven, has just been released and she's still spinning from writing the Whovian spin-off show Doctor Who Redacted. The author, scriptwriter, actor and activist has a lot to talk about with diva staff writer Nick Rosara, not least the magic of female solidarity. Stay tuned. Pod Diva. Oh, like I'm doing back-to-back interviews between now and eight o'clock tonight, so it's like, <laughs> at least you, you, get me, you get me fresh, you get, you get me before I've said the same thing 15,000 times. Well, we're very cool. honoured yeah, to have you first, and good luck on your... Thanks. Marathon, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, God, can you imagine the last person by the end of the I just don't give shit. <laughs> Congratulations again on your, your book, Her Majesty's Royal Coven. This is your debut as adult fiction. What can you tell us about the book? Her Majesty's Royal Coven is about five witches who have been friends since childhood. They have at various times in their life belonged to the UK's official coven, which is Her Majesty's Royal Coven. It's a covert government department that exists in the shadows. These witches are there. They're protecting us from what they call supernormal threat. But then at the beginning of the novel, several hundred years into the coven, these five witches who are now adults, they must face a prophecy that has been delivered by the government's oracles, which predicts a catastrophic threat to which kind, like the end of which kind. Four of the women have very different ideological approaches on how they should deal with this crisis. This divide that opens up within the coven kind of threatens to tear apart not just the friendship group, but the world. Amazing. I can't, I can't wait to read it. And I was also excited to see that you're going to be part of the lineup for the upcoming Prima Donna Festival mm-hmm. and you'll be talking about Phenomenon. But <laughs> can you tell us a bit of like a little teaser of what we have to, of what attendees have to look forward to? So yeah, my panel is looking at sort of the enduring peel of the witch in pop culture and in literature. Uh, what I love about witches is the same as vampires. I don't think they're ever either in or out of fashion. I think there is something about the feminine divine and witchcraft that is always going to appeal to particularly women readers. You know, we, any woman knows that when women come together in coalition, there is something magical there, you know, whether it's on a Hindu or whether it's 
agitating or organizing, women know that there is a certain strength in female solidarity that can only really be described as magic. And so I don't think it's a mystery as to why novels and poetry and art and films and TV shows about witchcraft just are so popular now in the same way they were when I was a teenager in the 90s, you know? And do you have like a favourite piece of like either on screen or books that sparked your interest in witchcraft? Oh my god, oh, countless, just <laughs> where, where to start. The obvious ones, and obviously people have compared Her Majesty's Royal Coven to the craft, in that it's kind of like, what would happen if those girls from the craft had reached adulthood, kind of. But, you know, at the same time, I was when I was a little tiny kid, you know, I grew up on The Worst Witch by Jill Murphy. You know, Mildred Hubble at Cackles Academy for Young Witches was such a staple of my sort of primary school years. As I became a teenager, we had The Craft and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Rice, Poppy Z. Bright, you know, and then growing up into adulthood and having things like True Blood. And, you know, the witches have always been there, you know, and I think I think they are staple what's interesting about all those examples I just mentioned is each author brings something of themselves to the table and while Her Majesty's Royal Coven is one of many additions to the witch canon you know I think I am among the first to really explore the role of the transgender witch you know and where, where do transgender women fit within which folklore because you're writing for the adult demographic did that like give you more options on how you explore transness within the story yeah although I will say I think so I think some of my YA novels are as dark as Her Majesty's Royal Coven if not darker in that you know clean dealt with addiction and meat market looked at sexual assault whereas you know I wrote Her Majesty's Royal Coven in lockdown one despite a global pandemic <laughs> the British press still found plenty of space to talk about trans people in a very negative way and I felt very sort of surrounded by it obviously I couldn't see my friends we couldn't go out and so as a as an artist you know I I was trying to process you know the UK and transphobia but not what I want to write a novel about transphobia you know I wouldn't want to write some awful violent bleak gritty novel about the the kind of persecution trans people face in the UK because I mean even talking about Christ that brings you down doesn't it I wanted to write like a big blockbuster fantasy trilogy about a coven but very early on I started to think about this this is maybe where I want to work through these conversations you know and I'm so glad Sean Faye's book exists but that's not a book I could have written I don't think because I just can't keep a straight face and I can't I can't be as calm as Sean was in that in the transgender issue so Her Majesty's Royal Coven is my way of processing the oppression that trans people face but I do it through the allegory of the coven so I guess if you like the coven for me is a metaphor for womanhood what do you hope is the key takeaway that readers take away from the book I think that's the word the word is coalition I'm also not the first author to to approach feminism through the lens of a coven if book one deals with the division amongst women you know the way that these women approach the inclusion of a transgender which divides them then the second book in the trilogy looks at division between men and women and that the problems that historically have existed when when women gain power men don't like that and then the third book really I guess explores patriarchy the the message that I think I'd like for readers to take away from the book which is in my mind and I believe that women 
have to work together because there is always this much bigger threat. And the threat is the oppression we all experience under patriarchy. Feminism doesn't mean that women all have to be friends. It's not a Taylor Swift song. But what it means is we have to be able to come together and we have to be able to walk towards a common goal, even if sometimes we don't agree with everything other women are saying or not necessarily the way that other women are choosing to live their lives. But we certainly have got to keep our eye on the end game, which is about releasing all women from oppression under patriarchy and I think that really is the message running throughout Her Majesty's Royal Coven. However, is it also just a super exciting sort of fantasy novel about witches? You know, I was I was as inspired by Wonder Woman and X-Men as I was by the conversation around transphobia. I love both of those films as well. You can have it all. I think you can talk about feminism in a really fun way. And that's what I wanted to do. And I, I really, really hope that's what readers take away from Her Majesty's Royal Coven, that it's it has something very serious to say about intersectional feminism. But also, yeah. it's a lot about flying women. <laughs> <laughs> they can fly. Amazing. Fellow Vivians won't forgive me if we don't talk about Doctor Who Redacted. How did you feel when you found out you were going to get to write the spin-off? It was such a journey to actually making that podcast in that I was first approached by BBC Sounds in 2019. And then we had all kinds of sort of, well, we had a pandemic for one. And then too, you know, when, when you work for a brand like Doctor Who, it's bigger than any one person. Doctor Who is an iconic legacy brand. There was two years worth of kind of back and forth. And if I'm being really honest, I never thought it would see the light of day, which kind of meant there was sort of a creative freedom there because, you know, I was commissioned to write episode one, two, three, sort of way, way back in 2019. And I was like, well, this is brilliant because you know, it's never going to get made. So you, know, you can just say what you want, do what you want, have a trans main character, you know, have three queer women as main characters. Nobody said no, kind of. The most stressful bit actually was when they last last winter, they said, right, you've got the green light. It's actually happening. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> everybody, right, it's happening. And it, it was a real case of like all hands on deck trying to get these scripts as polished and as sort of cohesive as possible. It was stressful. I think working on a big brand, you know, whether it's Doctor Who or a Marvel film, you know, it's always going to be stressful. But... When I first got sent the episodes, I got sent episode one and two together. It was just like, oh, this is so good. Like it's better, it's better than I dared imagine. And that isn't just down to me, (laughs) you know, it's down to the directors, producers, the sound design I think has just elevated it to a whole new level. The cast are flawless. I'm so proud of Charlie Craggs and I'm so proud of BBC Sounds for taking a chance on Charlie because she hadn't acted before. I could not be more pleased with how it's turned out. Yeah, I guess if you weren't sure it was going to get green, it was kind of easier to keep it to yourself. I don't know how you kept it to yourself from 2019. As soon as you come into the sort of like the sphere of a big brand like Doctor Who, you just know basically it's just not worth blabbing because <laughs> you know you will be removed from the project you are so replaceable <laughs> so um what when it comes to things like that my personal coda is I don't say anything unless it's on social media if you see it on social media it's it's probably good to go but un- until I do I just I deny all knowledge of everything <laughs> Pot diva. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. 
until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And the show has been praised for being super trans and super queer and uh, fans were also overjoyed recently when it was announced that Shuti Gatwa was taking on the role of 14th Doctor and then uh-huh. recently as well on top of that we have Heartstopper Jasmine Finney joining the cast. Yeah. So how do you feel to be part of the brand in this time of increased representation in such a popular show? It's wonderful you know and I almost said that's another secret. I know Yasmin so I'd kept that secret for a little <laughs> while as well so I was like look at me keeping secrets. It's amazing. I think, you know, after Jodie, there was a question about where do you go next? You know, when having a female doctor had moved representation forward, I felt in my heart that it would be disappointing had it gone back to a cisgender white man. I think I would have been a bit like, Oh, well, that's okay. That was that was it then. We just we just got Jody. And knowing Russell, I think Russell not as well. So I don't think there was much danger we would have had a straight white guy playing the 14th Doctor. My favorite thing about Shooty is that he hadn't really entered my head because knowing Russell, I know he likes to work with actors he's kind of worked with before. So I was kind of running through that list of sort of people who'd been in It's a Sin and people who'd been in years and years. But because Shooty hadn't worked with Russell before, he kind of wasn't on my list. I was kind of more looking like Lydia West or Tania Miller. So when when Shooty was announced, I was like, yes, of course, he's just perfect. So I'm, I'm so, so pleased. On a personal level, she's a friend. I could not be happier just to see her thriving. And she's still only 18 years old. It's just amazing. Doctor Who, since 1963, when you look at the DNA of that series, it has always been so forthright in its anti-fascist philosophy. You know, the Daleks, first introduced in 1963, represent fascism. The Daleks have always represented fascism, you know. And, And so I think while for far, far too long, Doctor Who was much, much too white and much too sort of straight, you know, it was on children's kind of television in the 80s. So, you know, what, what did you expect? But I think as soon as Russell took over, you know, he came on board with 
Christopher Eccleston, a northern guy, Rose, a working class woman, her mixed race boyfriend, and then introduced Captain Jack. And then we had Jenny and Vastra. You know, so there have there have been LGBTQ characters now tracing back to 2005. The, the answer is always more. You know, if we have more queer characters and more characters of colour, it takes some of the pressure off those actors and off those performances because it means that actor or that character doesn't have to be everything to everyone. Every show should be doing what Doctor Who is doing so that it wasn't just kind of Doctor Who do, doing all the heavy lifting. So the answer always is more. Shows like uh, Sex Education and Heartstopper both serve up some much needed trans joy as well. Do you have any advice to trans or non-binary readers who may be struggling? Yes, there's this increased representation, but there's also this increased anti-trans messaging in the world. That is the catch-22 with with representation in the media. We had briefly, you know, when I came out to my friends in 2013, it felt like the world was really ready to talk about trans people and embrace trans people. But with that rise in representation and with the increased conversation, then very quickly came the backlash. And I think we've been stuck in backlash mode since about 2017. And, you know, things have gotten worse. But what what strikes me particularly about the UK is the legitimacy that a lot of transphobic views are being given. I think when I do interviews with America or Australia or in Spain or Italy, there is a real difference between if if you are a, somebody who is a conservative right wing speaker, you you are anti trans, and if you are a liberal or progressive artist or speaker, you know you are pro trans and inclusive. Whereas the difference in the UK seems to be that being transphobic is almost being presented as like a legitimate standpoint. This is across across kind of the pulp political divide in that we we have traditionally left-wing or liberal press sharing some quite transphobic opinions and you know that that's what makes the UK quite uniquely scary at the moment but in terms of what's the remedy to that I don't know I just don't know I think things like Heartstopper help I think you would be really hard pushed to watch Yasmin Finney in Heartstopper and feel anything but joy and sympathy and romance. That is one of the ways forward. Not just seeing these toxic talking points, but actually just get going to nature and get to know your <laughs> local trans person. You know, get to know us because I am not a talking point. I am a fairly boring woman from Bradford who walks her dog and is a vegan and writes books. You know, I'm not. I'm not the trans debate and nor is any human. And I think those headlines that I read in newspapers have nothing to do with real trans people. They are talking points. They are not stories about real human beings. 100% agree, thank you. So you've written over 20 incredible books and trans and synchronous are present in most of them, if not all of them, but you've also explored like so many different genres as well and I have to tell you that your novel Say Her Name um, is the reason why I'm a huge fan of Flora so thank you very much for that. Still one of my favourites as well, (laughs) I wrote that 10 years ago and it's still one of my my favourites. I was good at looking mirrors for ages but thank you so much for introducing me to the genre. I was wondering like is there a genre that's closest to your heart and are there any genres that you haven't explored yet that you'd like to? So horror is very, very dear to me as well. And that within HMRC, within Her Majesty's Royal Coven, there are some, I would say, horrific moments, but it's not a horror novel. Some, some of the witchcraft gets quite physical, let's say, and some people I think will find that quite shocking. 
I, I mean, I, I would love to do more horror. Getting genre things commissioned is so hard. There are commissioners and there are editors, people who just are very, very, I would say genre averse, because I think it's quite difficult sometimes to get science fiction or fantasy pushed through as well. Some people just like things to be very grounded and that's just a matter of taste. But I'm not going to stop working until I get either a horror film or a horror TV show commissioned. I think when you look at the success of films like Get Out and It Part One and Part Two, you know, there is such a hungry audience for horror, especially on streaming platforms, that it blows my mind that we, we're not seeing more British horror being made. So I'm working on it. I would love, yeah, I would really, really love to do more horror. Fingers crossed for you getting horror onto the screen. I um, really enjoyed talking with you today, but is there anything before we say goodbye that you'd like to address that we haven't touched on yet? Very excited for Diva readers to read Her Majesty's Royal Coven. You know, how could I do a book about a coven without fully exploring queer women? And I think I've created my favorite lesbian couple of all my novels, Leonie and Shannara. I really, really hope lesbian readers take them to their hearts as a couple. I will state now at the very beginning, we're not going to be burying those guys. <laughs> so fear not, fear not, Leonie and Shannara. They might not end up together. They've been together a long time, so they have some problems in their relationship. But no, I think um, within fantasy, there are lots of sapphic couples. But I wanted to, you know, present not, they're not elves. We're not in some fantasy world. They're, they're modern day London gay women. They've got their cats. They're trying to start a family. And they're two of the most powerful witches in the United Kingdom as well. So I really, really hope readers look to Leonie and Chinara and can see something of themselves in those characters. Amazing. And yeah, again, I can't wait to read. And thank you so much for always writing amazing books that open conversations allow people to be seen and are also very fun. Thank, thank you. you so much. It was very lovely to meet you. Right. I suppose I should go speak to an American yes. radio station, really, shouldn't I? Good luck. Oh, thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. Speak soon. Pod Diva. Thank you for listening to Pod Diva. Queers for your ears in association with Diva Magazine, the world's leading brand for LGBTQIA plus women and non-binary people. Please listen and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Diva Magazine. You can email us at editorial at divamag.co.uk. Share the love by leaving us a review. Pod Diva. Queers for your ears. Pod Diva. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.